On a summer's day in the month of May, a burly bum come a hiking. He was walking down the land through the sugar cane. He was looking for his liking. And as he strolled along, he sang songs of the land of Middle Canada. Hey there, this is the Sounds of the Trail podcast, a place where we talk about the ups, downs, and switchbacks of trail life. It's time for a hike. Where a bum can stay for many a day, and he won't need any money. People start off on through hikes with all kinds of expectations. It's going to be great, you think. It's going to be so fun. It's going to be hard. The views will be amazing. I'm going to be so strong. But one thing that most people don't realize is that... Through hiking will ruin your life. That's right. You heard that correctly. Through hiking will ruin your life. Hold on a minute. What are you saying here? I'm saying... Through hiking will ruin your life. Welcome back to Sounds of the Trail. This is episode number six, where we talk about just what through hiking really does to you. Today we get to hear from three different through hikers in our interviews, and a back of the envelope calculation told me that we have approximately 12,000 miles of hiking experience between all three of them. That's quite a bit. <laughs> Anyhow, we're going to start off with an interview done by Sina with the Real Hiking Viking who is an experienced hiker, the most experienced on this episode, who has successfully completed the Appalachian Trail in 2013, the Continental Divide Trail in 2014, and this year he's taking on the last trail for the triple crown of long-distance hiking, the Pacific Crest Trail. Let's hear what he has to say. Hi everyone, this is Sina from Sounds of the Trail. I have here the real hiking Viking. Um, if any of you are familiar with the hiking community, he did the CDT last year and he's doing the PCT now. And the Appalachian Trail in 13. And then the AT on the 13th of when? No, the 2013. Oh, and, oh, and you did the 2000. Okay, so he's going for the Triple Crown right now. And why are you called the real hiking Viking? Well, I finished the AT and... I'd been growing a spectacular beard, <laughs> and I just figured that was the that was what I wanted to make my blog something that exemplified being a trail warrior, a warrior in real life. Um, coming from the Marine Corps, it just kind of all worked together in one happy rhyming name. And there was somebody that already had already taken. That's what I was going to ask you. So somebody had already somebody? taken the 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 dot com hiking Viking, and so I was just like, oh. Well, I'll be the real one, so... That's great. Didn't you so just go rim to rim as well on the uh, Grand Canyon? Yeah, well, I did uh, the whole Arizona Trail and then did a rim to rim in, in one day. No, yeah, rim to rim in one day. In one day? Um, on on the AZT. Stop so it. That That's was, crazy. That was like, it's like 100 miles from the border of the 800-mile Arizona Trail. Wow. So do you do this for a living, right? Because you're sponsored now? I don't make a living. I, you know, get by. I get some gear and, you know, um, nothing that makes ends meet, really. But you're able to hike. I am. That's yeah. great. <laughs> what would you uh, give as, you know, advice or anything like that to people that possibly wanted to do that? Because I've actually had people ask me that, and I'm just doing the PCT, like, for the first time. I haven't done as many trails as you have. Right. Um, I would say that... Uh, 
<laughs> I I gained um, different perspective from long distance hiking and from where I was before I started hiking to where I am now. The perspective that I have is that I don't need much to live on. So when if you want to get into it, you have to start to realize what you need and what you don't need, mm-hmm. and to start to trim the fat so you can make ends meet to travel and hike and see, you know, sights untold by people that work a nine to five essentially. Yeah, no, that's great advice, but um, just expectation and reality. You know, just expectation versus reality. What would you say is the biggest that uh, you've noticed now that you've been doing this for a while? Oh, I think that the, I think that quite seriously, the biggest thing that I would give as a piece of advice to somebody would be. Uh, You know, it's like, how bad do you want something, you know, and necessity is the mother of all invention. So if you really want something bad enough, you'll figure out a way to make it happen. And for each each individual person, it's going to be different. It's not like a a blueprint that you can say, hey, this is how you're going to, so everyone can do this right here. So, so it's, my, my path, my story is different from many that have come before me i'm sure there's similarities here and there but you must have seen them because you've hiked with quite a lot of people uh yeah um i well i actually don't hike with a lot of people but you meet a lot of people through the long distance hiking community um so yeah i mean everyone everyone that is like a staple in the community they have taken a different for lack of a better punny word, like <laughs> a different path to, to get to where they are, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and they could sit down with you and have a 30 minute long conversation. that's completely different from mine. Uh, so it's just, they wanted it, they figured it out and I wanted it. I figured it out and you know, and I just got rid of the things I didn't need. Yeah. And I live out of a that's eight to ten pound backpack. That's wow. So no home, nothing. Uh, no car I, sitting I, somewhere. No, no waiting car. For you. This is a storage unit back in Pennsylvania somewhere. Yeah. That I haven't opened in two years, essentially. Has it been two years since uh, you got into almost, this? Or? Almost. Well, yeah, March of 2013. What made you? What made you want to do this forever, basically? <laughs> I, if you were to simplify, in, in I was a working at a company called Vargo. Uh, they make titanium. Uh, lightweight camping gear, mm-hmm. and I got asked to go run a vendor booth down at Trail Days in Damascus, Virginia, on the Appalachian Trail. And that weekend, pretty much, I don't know, just the uh, interacting with through hikers, being in the trail community uh, that weekend, I just decided I wanted to hike the Appalachian Trail. That was in May of 2012, and then less than a year later, I was hiking. But when you did it, the AT, I mean, going for the first time, like for me, it's completely different. I went in with no expectations or at least telling myself I have no expectations, mm-hmm. but it was definitely different. I think it's a completely different beast than any of back- yeah. backpacking tricks that I've I, done before. I mean, the most, the most miles I'd ever hiked on a backpacking trip before the Appalachian Trail was probably a 60 mile hike. In one day? No, 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 no. I was no. like, over, what? Over Get like, out of here. Over like five, <laughs> like five days. I'd oh, okay. Say, something okay. like that. And now you're averaging what again? It's 30, like something 30, crazy. 30 or 35 a day usually. But today you're going for 40. I would like to. Well, yeah. It's not too bad <laughs> elevation wise, right? It was no, pretty easy. no. It's been all right. It's been a beautiful day. Um, what would you say? Because you did the CDT. Not many people have done that. I know that's just like rugged terrain. It's not really mapped out. Yeah. How would you describe it? I know I only have so much time with you, but I would say that I'm really curious about it. It is. 
it's similar in ways to this tra this trail, but also very different in a lot of ways too. You're kind of always like in view of like society here. It feels like almost. like always kind of near a highway or, or something. And yeah. the CDT is just like you know you're, the stretches in between your trail towns or your your hitching points are you feel like you're in the middle of nowhere. Like how many really days do. of food are you? carrying sometimes up to um i i mean i carried six days of food in the bob marshall wilderness but that was a 200 mile stretch so and that was with you averaging your big yeah miles. yeah, yeah. So, so someone it, with less would have to carry a lot more a lot more yeah that's yeah. crazy and then i know uh, this is my last question craziest story so far on the trail on this trail no just any of the trails that you've done so far oh man like, the, the, maybe the scariest, let's put it that way. I came um, face-to-face with a black bear in, in Montana, like, for, and they tell you never to run, but I did, and it chased me down for a good few tenths of a mile, oh, and uh, basically it it amounted to me ba turning around and charging the bear back, so, and I lived to tell the tale. I like how calm you are telling the story. I'd be like peeing. Oh, in my it pants. was the scariest moment of my life. If you would have talked to me the moment after it happened, I wouldn't have been able to breathe. Like you're just on adrenaline oh, high for like a day afterwards. For, I like an hour. I was worn out after it. it oh was my crazy. god, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Well, there we have it. I actually knew of that story because I read his <laughs> I blog. <laughs> but um, check him out, therealhikingviking.com. He's on Instagram too. He has amazing, beautiful pictures. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Oh man, I could have talked to the real hiking Viking forever. So many questions to ask that man. Um, but fortunately, he, I, I actually found him by accident. I was hoping to run into him. I knew he was doing the PCT, but I thought he'd been, uh, he was a little bit behind me, but apparently not. Nope. I just happened to be walking by and I saw him. So had to get him for the podcast. I don't know if you heard, but he mentioned that his pack is only eight to 10 pounds. Now, typically, he's talking about base weight, which is before food and water. But still, that's extremely, extremely light. Um, and just for comparison, my base weight for my pack is about 16 pounds. And that's decent. That's not bad. Um, but that's double <laughs> what he's carrying. So, I would have loved to have gone through his pack, seen what he packed. And, uh, you know, amongst other questions, but... He did give me only five minutes, um, so if I sounded rushed or flustered, it was because I was trying to figure out which questions to ask him in five minutes when I really have like five hours worth of questions. It was really hard. And uh, as for me, you know, I'm still trucking away. I got to Agua Dolce, and I wasn't able to keep anything down. I don't know if it was a stomach bug or if it was from my migraine previously. Um, but yeah, I wasn't able to eat anything. So I'm just in town. Um, probably going to go see the doctor and then I'll be back on the trail. But uh, yeah, that was really exciting to meet the real hiking Viking. And it sounds totally nerdy, but I was I was really hoping to meet him. And he was just as generous and nice in person as he is on his blog. So that was that was really fun. And uh, there we have it. Sign it out. Well, folks, there you have it. One minute you're a regular, contributing member of society, and the next thing you know, you have no home, no car, and all you have is an eight-pound sack of stuff that you carry over your shoulder. That's how it happens to you. See what I mean?
Through hiking will ruin your life. Next, let's tune in with Kimchi with another interview from Trail Days in Damascus, Virginia, which was a few weeks ago now, who was talking with TikTok, who also hiked the Pacific Crest Trail last year in 2014. One quick note before we start the recording is that there is a lot of noise in this recording, and I did my best to filter it out, but some of it is background talking, which is very difficult to take out of a recording. So I hope you'll bear with it. I think there's some really good stuff, but it might be a little bit hard to hear in a few points. Hi, this is Kim Chi with Sounds of the Trail. Um, I am at Trail Days in Damascus, Virginia, and I am actually lucky enough to meet a Pacific Crest Trail alumni from last year. Uh, I saw TikTok's name in a bunch of trail registers. She knows some of the same people that I know, and uh, it's really good to meet her in person. Um, I just kind of wanted to do a quick interview with her and see how she feels about the Appalachian Trail. <laughs> so TikTok. First of all, let's talk about mileage. Where are you at right now? Uh, hi, Kim Chi. It's nice to meet you, finally, as well. Um, I am at mile 634 in Parisburg, Virginia. So, where are you from originally? Uh, originally, I grew up in Berkeley and San Francisco, California, and was living in Portland, Oregon for many years. Uh, so, you're a seasoned through hiker. <laughs> You've already completed the entire Pacific Crest Trail. How how do you feel about the Appalachian Trail? How how does it feel to have your second through hike? How does it feel to get through the miles? Like what are you noticing? What are the differences that you're noticing? What are the the things you're excited about? What things are you disappointed about? What things like how are you feeling in general? Um, this trail's an ass kicker. Am I allowed to say about? Well, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. This trail's hard, and I knew it was going to be hard. People said that, but I didn't realize it until I was doing it. Um, so physically, yeah, it's really difficult. Lots of ups, lots of downs, and it hurts. Um, it's really humid. There's lots of bugs. It rains a lot. Um, but it's great. It's great to be through hiking again. And it's always great to be hiking. Even when I'm having a bad day, I ask myself, is this better than sitting in a cubicle for eight hours and the answer is always yes so on that note actually uh i mean there's definitely a reason why we kind of keep coming back to do this to ourselves especially on this trail i think most of us like for myself i question why i'm doing it every single day um what do you think what do you think the main like things are that kind of keep you going along every day through the trail wow that's one of those questions that I, I ask myself every day on the trail, and I, I still can't come up with a good answer. Um, just to, uh, wow, you stumped me. Um, <laughs> it's just that constant challenge, just constantly being able to push myself and and then pushing myself and accomplishing it, um, and that feeling every day when when I do accomplish that. Um, it's it's addictive in a way, and it's yeah. I fell in love with hiking, and I just can't stop. And it's it ruins your life in the best way possible. So I'm ruined. I can't turn back. I think that's a good way to put it. Uh, I think a lot of us. I'm sorry to get so deep with you, but I think a lot of us kind of go through a, a thought pattern throughout the day. And especially if you like wake up and hike early in the morning or whatever, you just get to this point where for me, it's like you realize you're standing out there, you're by yourself, you just climbed up something, you're covered in sweat, there are bugs, you can't stop. 
and you're just angry, but then all of a sudden there's this moment. Totally. So what happens at that moment for you? Wow. Um, this sounds so cheesy, but I, I feel ferocious in that moment. Um, and I feel like all of the things in my life that I regret or I carry with me um, and I'm angry about or whatnot, all those moments just don't matter anymore. And I feel on top of the world and I feel strong and it's the best feeling in the world. That being said, obviously you're going to Maine. I know you're going to Maine. Uh, have you already started thinking about possibly doing the Continental Divide? Of course. Yes, I actually. Um, I have firm plans to hike the Continental Divide Trail next year with some wonderful folks who I met last year on the PCT and hiked with. Um, Dewey, Masshole, Slaughterhouse, um, R.R. Butters, uh, Cheese Snake, a bunch more folks. Uh, we all have plans next year, CDT 2016. I think I'm in the same boat with you. I'll probably be behind you, unfortunately, yes. again. <laughs> uh, I was behind TikTok last year, and I'm totally behind her this year. I'm at mile 210. Um, so what, I mean, did you ever, <laughs> when you first stepped foot to go out to do your first thru-hike, did you ever think you'd hike over 8,000 miles in three years? Never. Even yeah, every day on the PCT, even I didn't think I was going to finish. Even the very last day when I was like 11 miles from the Canadian border, I remember thinking... I'm going to break my leg. I'm going to fall off this cliff. It just didn't seem real that I would even finish that hike, let alone now I'm on my second hike. And if everything goes as planned, my third hike next year. What do you think the biggest challenges are uh, for you on this hike, on any hike? Like, what do you think the biggest challenges are that you face every day? I will be very honest with you right now. Um, boredom. You know, I feel like people don't really talk about that very often. Just being alone with your thoughts all day, doing the exact same thing every day. You know, I really run out of things to think about. And, um, yeah, and pushing yourself when hiking is the last thing that I feel like doing when I'm tired, when I don't feel well, when I'm hurting. Um, just finding that motivation to keep going is really difficult. What do you think the best what do you think the best things are? Like what do you think the best things are throughout the day? Coming across people when I've been alone for hours and hours and I feel like I'm starting to go crazy and then you round a corner and there's a familiar wonderful face sitting there taking a break great um, so yeah the community the, the human contact um, just living in the woods living outside it's when you finally get to that point um, you know, after a few weeks out here where you you feel like you belong in the woods and it's just a really special feeling and I'm trying to convince my mom to do that because she's like so you're pretty far ahead of this this town. Uh, you had to get a considerable way to get back here. What I did the same thing. I mean, it took me a lot to get here. Why do you think you came back all the way back here to waste a couple of days? You're wasting days hiking. You're losing time. And you're TikTok. Uh, what do you think? Like, how did you get here? What made you come here? 
Why are you here? Well, that was actually a really, really big challenge for me. I was never planning on coming back here to Trail Days. And um, up until the very last minute of getting in the car with the other hikers who were coming here, I didn't think I was going to come. Um, basically, I've been hiking alone pretty much the whole time that I've been out here, um, which is really different from the PCT where I pretty much had a trail family the whole time. Um, and... It's been wearing on me uh, because I miss having people to commiserate with at the end of the day about all the bad things that happened, and I miss, you know, laughing with people every day. Um, so I wasn't really happy these past few weeks, and I just decided that why am I suffering? Why not go have fun and see some familiar faces, uh, see some old PCT friends, meet new people, and hopefully get overloaded with socializing and people so I can go back out and appreciate the solitude again. Um, I mean, I feel the same way. Like this trail is really weird in that sense. <laughs> I feel like I had trail family immediately and it's, I don't want to say it in a bad way. Uh, maybe it's cause we're peace, you know, we hiked the PCT first, but yeah. like, what do you think the separation of people is here? Cause it's very different. Like there's a different subculture. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. It's different. What do you yeah. think the differences are with the with the subculture here, with the community? That's that's a hard one. I've kind of been asking myself that same question as well. Um, and I, I still can't quite figure it out. I I do think though that maybe it's because our mileage is a little bit different. Um, because starting out on the AT, it sounds like you and I both. You know, we've done a long-distance hike before, so we know that we're capable of doing big miles right from the start. Um, even though it's hard. Yeah, even though, exactly. It's very, very hard. And, you know, I, on the PCT, I didn't start out doing crazy big miles, crushing them. Um, so, yeah, it's something that comes with experience, but I feel like, as a result, now I meet great people every day, but I want to keep going and keep hiking till dark. That's the PCT mentality, and, you know, I want to do 30-mile days, and so it's hard to kind of find a trail family right now that, that wants to, to do those miles as well. Where you're at, though, you're going to get to a point where, and we know this, uh, and anyone who's listening to this interview who doesn't hike uh, through hikes, who doesn't really know about through hiking, uh, unfortunately, the trail works in a certain way. It kind of carves people out. So there are people who start the trail because they want to do the trail. And in their minds, the end of the trail is, is going to be the ultimate destination. But after a month of hiking 20 miles a day, after a month of sweating, after a month of starving, after a month of bugs eating your face, just the challenges that you go through, it's tiring and it makes a lot of people stop. Uh, not only that, but tons of people will go all the way to the middle. They'll hike hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles. I mean, well over 700 miles, maybe a 1,000 miles, and then they'll still quit. So... When you get to, there will be an evening grounds, you yeah, know, and you'll definitely. get to that. And it's either going to be pretty lonesome yeah. or you'll find those people. Do you, I mean, are you anticipating that at all or? Yeah, I, I, I'm keeping hope that I'll, I'll meet a crew of people that, um, that hike at my same pace. Um, and if not, it's going to be a long, hard trek. If I do, it's still going to be a long, hard trek. Um, but I, I hope and I imagine that things will work out. And regardless, I'll, 
learn the lessons I'm supposed to learn and, <laughs> and I'll have a great time and a horrible time and I'll hike to Maine, hopefully, damn it. <laughs> I'm really excited that I got the chance to talk to you. Uh, is there any kind of last thing you want to you want to talk to me about? Any actually, I'm curious about any like aches and pains you never had on the PCT or just anything that like you're totally surprised about by this trail, good or bad. Yeah. Um, I've definitely had some crazy experiences already on this trail, both you know, physically and I guess just physically, really. Uh, yeah, I hiked the entire PCT without ever having any knee issues, and already I've had to take a week off the trail um, because my knee just got destroyed because this trail is so steep and hard, and it will chew you up and spit you out, and it probably will keep chewing me up and spitting me out. And um, I got struck by lightning the other night. <laughs> which Let's talk about that story. Can you please recount this for our interview real fast? Yeah, um, it was crazy. I... Never in a million years imagined I would ever get struck by lightning. It just doesn't happen <laughs> to me. Um, I was by myself. It was evening. It was cloudy, uh, but it wasn't raining, and I'm hiking on top of this mountain. And all of a sudden, I just felt like I was getting shoved really hard from behind, almost fell over, managed to somehow stay on my feet. Uh, my heart started racing like crazy. felt like I was having a heart attack felt like all the breath got sucked out of my lungs. I couldn't see, couldn't hear for a second, got really confused, disoriented, tingly everywhere. And then immediately after all those sensations, there was a super loud clap of thunder directly overhead. And I freaked out and realized, wow, I just got struck by lightning. How did you keep going after that? <laughs> I kept running. Um, somehow I was so terrified that I just ran the next mile and a half to the shelter because I knew that there was a shelter ahead. Um, I don't ever sleep in shelters, but this was the first night since the Smokies where you have to sleep in shelters that I have slept in one because I was so freaked out. Um, yeah, it was, it was scary. Man, you are a true survivor. <laughs> Not only are you a true survivor, but I know you're going to make it all the way to Maine. <laughs> I know you're going to make you? it there. <laughs> I hope so. We'll see what happens. Hopefully I don't get struck by lightning. <laughs> um, well, I really sincerely appreciate every single thing that you've talked to me about. And again, if you have any last words for any thru-hikers or non-thru-hikers out there, what do you think they'd be? Um, that thru-hiking will ruin your life in the best way possible, like I said before, and that it's hard. It's really hard, but it's also amazing. And it, you'll meet the best people in the entire world, and you'll see the most incredible things, experience the most incredible experiences. And I wouldn't change it for the world. Well, thanks, TikTok. Thank uh, you so much, Kimchi. It was so awesome <laughs> to meet you. Such a pleasure. Yeah. All right. We're both signing out from Damascus, Virginia at Trail Days sure there's a lot of background noise in there but hopefully y'all got the gist of what we were talking about and hopefully you get the same warm gushy feelings i'm getting right now so thanks again everyone for listening Bye. as someone who is sitting in a cubicle all right all right it's an office but as someone who is sitting in an office for eight hours a day i have to agree with tiktok hiking is better and I also have to agree with TikTok in saying that it ruins your life in the best way possible. 
Despite all the hard times, all the pain, all the disgusting packaged food, through hiking the Pacific Crest Trail has turned out to be this incredible experience that I cherish pretty much every day. Which brings us to our last interview, which was a conversation I had with a fellow PCT thru-hiker, 3D. We heard from 3D briefly in episode 3, but I felt like I wanted to include the rest of our interview in this episode. I hadn't seen 3D since October, when I slept in her basement right after finishing the trail, and it was really beautiful to see her again and to talk about the trail. In this episode, we've talked with a thru-hiker who has completely made thru-hiking his life, and we've heard from a hiker who is sort of in the middle of that process. But this last interview is between two thru-hikers who are still trying to process how thru-hiking fits into the rest of our life. Let's take a listen. E3D. Uh-oh. <laughs> You're on the mic. Maybe you can introduce yourself. I'm 3D. <laughs> I live in Seattle. I hiked the PCT in 2014, near and around Gizmo. Yeah. You were pretty instrumental at several points in my hike in changing my journey, and I don't know, it just, you had a, you had a big impact. That's really nice to hear that it was a positive impact, I hope. It was yeah. a positive. I think the interactions with fellow hikers was not something that I thought about when I started the trail, as being one of the impactful things that I would take away, but that the interactions with fellow hikers, once I got home, has been one of the things I think about the most. I agree with that. And on both accounts, like one, I didn't expect that wasn't one of the things that I set out thinking about. I was just thinking about the trail, but it was really about the people. And, yeah. and I think about how all of those people, they're not just um, sort of figures in the story, but they're my family. Yeah. They, they're not just like occupying some, you know, extras on the set but they're important yeah yeah that was you asked me to think about a story that was like kind of pivotal uh-huh. and um it sort of has to do with that idea um we were do you remember that little that weird little town that has all the raves in it belden yes okay so we were leaving belden and um, you, Dirt Nap, Namaste, yes. uh, Pac-Man, and me. And uh, we, you know, we hiked. And it was like super, super hot that day. Oh really my hot. God, it was just f***ing desperate. And, um, and it was like some exposed... Um, like face of a. It was a, a burn. It was a burn. Okay, yeah. I'm, there was like, no shade. There was zero shade. Seven miles. Yeah, of no zero shade. shade. Yeah, and also, you know, we had also taken like the day, the night off, or whatever. So there was always that like little bump when you got back onto the trail. Like, oh, we're doing this again. Yes. And um, anyway, so we finally we get to the shade, and it was a little bit late at night, and we were all like kind of cooking. And we just sort of plunked down in the spot and set up our little spaces. And then we were making these meals and lying on the ground. Like, we're all just sitting there, like, kind of sprawled out on the ground. And we were sort of forming ourselves into the space. Instead of forming the space to suit ourselves, we sort of fit into it. And 
and we were joking about God knows what, and it was super funny. We watched a centipede. Yeah. And um, it was so lovely. And Namaste put some music on. Yeah. And it just felt like I could really feel the importance of people in my life at that moment. Like, I felt that, like, each person I encounter is important. It's not just these, like, extras that I pass by or, you know, but we were all really listening to each other and really engaged with each other in a very deep way. And that space became, like, this living room it was like the most comfortable I've ever been in my life. Just like <sighs> cooking these little meals. I don't know. It's hard to describe it. It's hard to. It, it's such an emotional place that it's hard to put it into words. But that moment really had a deep impact on me. One thing that I always think is interesting is how the Pacific Crest Trail comes into someone's life. At some point in your life, you hear about the trail. Maybe that's something you remember or don't, but... And then at some other point, you decide you're going to hike it. What was that for you? How did you well, go from being the person you were to being 3D <laughs> on yeah. the Pacific Crest Trail? Like, how did I get onto the trail, or how did I f- become 3D? You could answer or- either one of them. <laughs> Well, it is, so, I had been, I'm an artist, I make my living as an artist, and um, I had been doing a project in Seattle where I would take groups of 50 people on a four-day walk from Puget Sound into the mountains um, to a place called Snoqualmie Falls, and, you know, I did all these different um, little projects with these groups, and it was a project that was commissioned by the Parks Department. So there was some, you know, I don't know, there was some public face to this project. And um, one, after the initial project, uh, initial version of it, I was on the train coming home uh, in Seattle and there was a really skinny guy with a big beard and a big backpack. And I was like, whoa, where are you coming from? What are you doing? Because clearly he had, he was vibrating with the, with the PCT. I didn't know it yet. Yeah. And he was like, oh, I just did the PCT. And I didn't know what that was. And I was like, what? And he explained it to me. And I was like, oh my God. And everything that came out of his mouth, every story, everything that he said was brilliant and amazing. (laughs) And he was going to go to the airport and spend the night there and leave like the next afternoon or something. And I was like, "Uh, uh-uh, you're coming home with me. I'm totally making you dinner. And you're going to tell me, I'm going to ask you a million questions. So I like inadvertently became a trail angel. I didn't even know what that was. I just wanted to like get more information. And so he came home with me and told me, you know, I just asked a million questions and I was like, I'm doing this. That like this is exactly what that other project, like that other walking project, had was like getting me ready. Like in my mind, I was like walking. That's the answer to everything. So I did that walking project in Seattle twice, two more times, and uh, uh, then decided to use the PCT as a 
stage for a project yes. called Wild Times. And, um, I mean, the th 3D comes from um, part of what I was doing was photographing objects that I found on the trail uh, with an app on my camera, on my phone, that let me um, turn these images into a 3D file. And then I would send the 3D file to the museums and they would be printed on these MakerBot printers that the museums had and formed into these like cumulative uh, sculptures. Um, so that's that's where 3D, because I would have to stop all the time. One second, <laughs> take all these pictures. Um, but I think that 3D became so much more than that to me. <laughs> like it, it stopped, the project in many ways like stopped being important to me. Like, even though I continued to do it, it really was not the... So many other things that couldn't be uh, represented in the museums and as part of the show. Um, like, that's really where everything was taking place. And a lot of it was emotional stuff um, between people and in myself and this kind of metamorphosis that can happen that you don't even know is happening. I think we all walk into the trail with expectations, either about what the trail will be or about what it will be for us. And I think for me, it met a lot of those expectations, but it was much more. In what ways do you think the trail totally exceeded your expectations or, or changed? And what was your reaction to that? Um... But what were some of the expectations that you had? I think when I was thinking about the trail, I was like, I'm going to be hiking mountains every day, and I'm going to be outside. It's going to be so fun. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the funny thing is, for me, is that in retrospect, it is exactly that, because it involved so much hard work and so much effort and a lot of actual physical pain. But I can't remember physical pain. Yeah. Like, I remember that it happened but it's not something that I can call back with my memory. All I remember is hiking the mountains and being outside. <laughs> it was so fun. Uh, I, even, I can't remember what my, my expectations were anymore about... I'm not sure... I mean, I know that I expected to finish it. Yeah. I mean, I know that, like, I don't know if that helps you finish it, like, if that helps you complete the the miles of the thru-hike. Because I think that there's other ways of finishing a thru-hike that don't mean you actually completed it. Yes. Um, but... Um, I can't remember what my expectations were, honestly. I remember I didn't totally expect... totally erased I think the, the experience pain, itself. The pain my feet was erased any <laughs> I didn't expect to be I had a lot of pain in the beginning a lot of um, my feet hurt um, a ton and I I feel like my feet had... hurt does not oh yeah there's no justice <laughs> to the experience those of words, feet hurting those words don't encapsulate the actual experience of feet hurt or what yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they don't they don't have English terms like words in English for my feet hurt that um, yeah. And I also, and then I had shin splints. Oh. 
And um, I had to get off the trail um, like around mile 300 to um, let my shins recuperate. And that was, I was like, oh my God, what if I don't, like, what if I can't get back on the trail? What if I, or like, you, you know, I Googled shin splints, which you should just not do. <laughs> and it said, you know, that it could be all this, this other stuff. And so I was sure that whatever I, you know, had done something worse. But then it got better, and then I got back on the trail, and then, like, slowly I learned how my body likes to walk, and I, my feet are, um, like, Flintstones feet now, and so I learned that I need to have a size 11 shoe, um, because they don't make women's, like, I need a, my, my foot's a square. <laughs> they've, they've changed and just melded into the ground. They have. And they don't make, you know, wide enough foot boxes. Or the ones, like, the ultras are wide, but they're um, zero drop. But I need, like, that didn't work for me either. So, you know, anyway, you learn about this these weird little things about your body. You yeah. become super in- attuned to, like... Well, I need two inner soles in this one shoe and one inner sole. <laughs> I've never been so in tune with how my body felt. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, it's it's pretty remarkable. When so now that you've come back, do you still feel that you have that attention to your body, or I? That's a hard question. I feel like I've lost it. Yeah, I feel like. I felt so strong and empowered by my body at the end. And I think I came back and I jumped straight back into my job. Mm-hmm. I actually was like working on the same project, like the day okay. I got back. And so the day I got back, I started work again. It was a Monday and I'm working on the same project I've been working on before. And I'm sitting in my cubicle, mm-hmm. like hunched over, clicking on my mouse, eating a cupcake that someone had brought in. And I was just like, oh no. <laughs> I'm like, it's happening. That was fast. (laughs) (laughs) One day. And it's hard. And I think that's one of the things I miss about the trail. Yeah. Yeah. It is. I did like how, um, how strong, how formidable. Yeah. I felt. What a good word. As a, as a person and how it also, to me, it, um, surpassed it wasn't gendered that strength wasn't like oh i'm strong as a woman or it's great to be a strong woman it was just like no i'm f-ing strong yeah and and that was really cool the other thing i really liked about my connection with my body was how how much i loved my body and appreciated it and it had nothing to do with how it looked i was so pleased with my body for getting up every day and mm-hmm. carrying me over these distances. I was just so proud of it. Like, yeah. I know it's me, but like, no, I, had I felt this, I this, had like, the same feeling. this deep love for myself and my body that was totally free of all the things that in regular society that you usually love your body for. Like, it, oh, I like how my hair curls this way, or I like my eyelashes, or I like, but it just, it wasn't attached to that. It was just what your physical experience could bring to you. And this was the vessel that carried it. Yeah, totally. That's a great way of putting it. Yeah. I, I do. I had a similar experience of like, um, 
Like I've always had like, like I have these like, you know, kind of thighs bigger than, bigger than I want my thighs to be. And one day up in the Sierra, I was like, F that, these are awesome thighs. Like, look where they brought me. Like, look where I am. You know, like, what am I worried about? Like, what is this, like, concern about, like, oh, it's, like, too big. Like, what? It's these are mountain climbing thighs. These, yeah, these thighs go up the Sierras. Like, <laughs> you know, and it was just, like, it, my body works. Yeah. That was the thing. And I also, I really felt, like, so much... I so I had so much gratitude to my parents for like giving me this body huh. for like this is the body that they formed for me that I was like yeah like that's beautiful it is beautiful everyone's bodies on the trail were beautiful yeah even with the like spotted dirt leg and <laughs> raptor toe and <laughs> yeah it was they were like badges of pride yeah. It's it's funny to think about, you know, there's all this space on the trail, but when hikers are together, they're all like smashed up against each other. Like you know, like you like you go some you like sit down and you sit right next to each other, you don't sit like apart. <laughs> yeah. You like get all like clumped up in a nest or something. It's funny. Little animals. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I think the Pacific Crest Trail was very transformative for me in ways that I'm still figuring out. But how do you feel like it's impacted your life now that you're home? Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> the big question. Well, yeah. Um, you know, I think it taught me a lot about happiness. And it, it, I feel, I feel like a different person. And I felt like it, I felt like while I went, I was on the trail, I was becoming a different person, but I could never quite put my finger on it. But now that I'm, I'm back home, I think that it sort of taught me how to be happy and that happiness doesn't happen to you. It happens from within you and that you provide, you make your own happiness. I mean, that's like one of those things that you, it's like, I feel like you read that yeah. on your Facebook feed or something, but it's true! But I think it's something you have to understand that, I mean, and someone telling you, like, it's like my feet hurt. Yeah. It doesn't make sense until you understand it. Like, what does my feet hurt when you're on the on the Pacific Crest Trail? You're like, well, you'll have to hike the Pacific Crest Trail and find, find out. out. Yeah. And to understand where... What each one of those words mean. <laughs> like, break it down. Yeah, what I think that might be a similar concept. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Because I can say those words, but I guess they're more... They have a a deeper resonance in me when I'm saying them, or as I... The way that I feel about it. Um, and, and, it's, and it's attached to some of those things that we were talking about before, that it's attached to this idea of really respecting people as individuals and seeing them as part of the important part in your life and your community like it's not just it's not just the people that you choose to be in your community but we're all in a community you know yeah and seeing each person as being like an important part of that 
um, that's, that's brought me a lot of happiness. Um, yeah. And, and then, and then this idea that it, it's like a spring that's flowing inside of you as opposed to like what makes me happy. Yeah. That's beautiful. <laughs> it really is. I think the trail is so beautiful. It's, um, and sometimes I feel like I struggle with, like there is this experience and how am I changing it in my memory and mm. what am I learning from this and how do I translate that into my life after the trail? I feel like there are questions that I'm still working on, but, but regardless, it was amazing. Well, and I, I think that that's, it is, it is a kind of, it's this aspect of the through hike that continues. Like you're still, that the idea of the through hike is also a place inside of you and uh -huh. not just like a geographic location. Um, so that makes sense that you're still, yeah. you're still like engaged in that part of it. Traveling it. Traveling it. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense afterwards why so many people who have hiked the trail get tattoos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of the Pacific Crest Trail. It also makes sense why they go do it again. Yeah. And that was another, that's another funny thing is that in the beginning, so we're sitting at kickoff at uh, Lake Morena, and I think when I was here the last time, I was like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, why did I say I was going to do this? This is awful. I'm super uncomfortable. Like, I'm never going to be comfortable again in my life ever. <laughs> like, that's how much it hurt. Um, but, you know, April came and I was like, I really should be through hiking. I feel like I really want to go back on the PCT. And I wanted to do the section that I... I liked the least which is I wanted to go do the desert section again why um because I felt like I could do it and be comfortable this time I felt like I could do it and you know I wouldn't have that anxiety that I had last year and I could enjoy the spaces more and the geography and the people and you know even the pain, I could enjoy more. <laughs> knowing that it's finite. Knowing that it's finite. Yeah. And knowing, you know, it took me, gee, God, it took me like 1,200 miles to learn how to hike. <laughs> so, you know. Yeah. It took me longer than that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's something you have to learn how to do. I, I do think the desert section is one of the least appreciated on the trail. Well, and I think partly because it's the beginning of people's experiences. <laughs> that definitely plays yeah. into it. Maybe it's just because I'm a desert rat myself. Did you did you like the desert? I did. You did? I loved the desert. Oh, was that your favorite part? Washington was my favorite part. Yeah. But that was it was tied to so many other things. I was strong in Washington. Yeah. I had finally found my groove in Washington. Yeah. There were blueberries in Washington, uh -huh. which the desert does not have. Right. That's true. <laughs> if the desert had blueberries? Perhaps. Oh, perhaps it would win. <laughs> it had all the flowers, though. Do you remember all yeah. the flowers? That yeah. was unexpected. Yeah. It was wonderful. Yeah. You know, I, I really loved Washington, and I live in Washington, and I didn't 
realize, I mean, I wasn't prepared for that kind of sort of majesty, <laughs> you know, that kind of like epic. Yeah. And the larches oh, and the blueberries changing colors. and the mushrooms. I think my, my best story came out of, of Washington, just encapsulating just how I felt about the trail. So Dirt Nap and I were hiking along out of Snoqualmie Pass, and we ran into a group of Russians who were there going for a hike. And one of them lived in the area, and then the rest were his friends. And so the one who lived in the area spoke English, but the rest didn't. And we were talking to him, and we were asking, you know, like, you know, so what, what brings you out here and, and to look at things? He's, and he says, we come to see beauty. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, this is beauty. <laughs> we're like yeah <laughs> and we're like that's why we're here too yeah and and again it's that thing where those words it's bigger than those words it's totally bigger than those words yes this over the rest of the trip we'd look around and we say yes beauty <laughs> yeah it was yeah I mean, it was epically beautiful, like sublime. Yeah. yeah. There was, um, I have a picture of um, a bunch of people sitting, looking at Cutthroat Pass. Uh-huh. And it's like everybody's backs and um, and then the peaks of the mountains in the, in the background, in the background. Yeah. And um, it's like everybody, it's like people are watching a screen. Yeah. You know, except that it's that enormous, enormous beauty. I actually feel like when I go back and look at my pictures that I, if I, especially if I'm in a bad mood, that I don't connect with them very well because it just doesn't look real to me and that a picture in no way captures Mm. the experience of being there. That's interesting. Um, I spent a lot of time thinking about the real versus the symbolic while I was hiking. Mm -hmm. And that, especially when I was up in the Sierra, like at those passes that were like, you know, 13,000 feet and like in this, you know, above the tree line, like where you can feel there's less oxygen and you feel your body working in this different way. Yeah. And that was the most real I've ever I've never felt anything realer than that. I've never experienced more reality than that. <laughs> That's a good um, way of putting it. And yeah. it, like, the the way that my body was, like, taking in the oxygen and trying to use it and how it, I can't walk fast enough. Like, I was walking slower. You know, I couldn't, it's like you're confronted with this kind of the reality of your body. And, um, but I'm thinking about, you know, that, uh, uh, that I spend so much time in my regular life dealing with the symbolic and that everything is this, you know, sort of simulacra. Like you go into a restaurant and it looks like, um, like a fake version of some other kind of thing. And you're, you're never living in the real, you're just living in these versions of other things. And when I was in the Sierra, I was like, this is, I'm living in the real. This is really, this is the real, real, this is the thing. Like this is really less oxygen and I'm really up here and, um, and it's not pointing to anything. It's not, it's not like 
pointing to something, it is the thing. Yeah. And I think there's not a lot of occasions in contemporary society to be in the thing. There's just a lot of a lot of times to be pointing to the thing. Yeah. Does that make No, sense? that makes complete sense. That makes complete sense. I think so much of our life is we're searching for the thing. Everything is pointing to something, and where is the thing? Not to get too meta, but that was the I mean, why do people come back to the Pacific Crest Trail or any of these long trails? Why do people return to wilderness and to long walks? And I think it's because it's the thing. Exactly. It's real. You're just, you can be totally present. Mm-hmm. And even, even the pain of walking, it holds you in that moment. It holds you in the present. Yeah. It's sort of, I wonder if it's like that same sort of feeling that I've heard people who are in wars have, you know, they have this, there's this kind of camaraderie, this kind of immediacy, there's pain, there's, you know, an objective to do something. Um, and it's sort of like the through hike is similar, but without the war, yeah. like, without the awfulness. <laughs> no one <laughs> has to die. Nobody has to die. You don't have to kill anybody. There's, yeah, it's like this. You have like this this goal I felt in some ways it was a pilgrimage more mm -hmm. than a trip you have the camaraderie and you have the place that requires you to be present and be aware I think you always get something out of trying really hard and I don't think I've tried really hard at a lot of things in my life but physically the Pacific Crest Trail was the hardest I'd physically tried to do something oh for sure for me definitely and to sustain it yeah because of the hard part isn't doing those miles, it's getting them up and doing them the next day and asking the sustained effort out of yourself that was purifying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it totally was. It is, it's, it's a big mental thing. I think that maybe that's one of the expectations is that people think it's, gonna, it's about, like, physical strength, but I think that it's really about mental fortitude and yeah like kind of tricking yourself like <laughs> look over here while you hike for 20 miles like you know. well i think we underestimate ourselves and it gives you a chance to to find your real worth to yourself yes i'm a person who tries hard yeah and i just did i tried hard yeah and here i am and that, that effort pays off. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And in a way, and in, in a non-directed non way. Mm -hmm. Like, the payoff isn't... I mean, even if you don't, like, finish, it, the through hike, or the hike still paid off. Yes. So, it's... I think that's also an interesting point. I think it's very easy to get fixated on doing a complete through hike or an orthodox through hike mm -hmm. or pure through hike and all these words with value statements behind them yeah and there's so many people who for some reason or other don't do the entire trail like myself i ended up bicycling for 700 miles and i consider that a part of my through hike 
Like through bike section. Yeah, I. That's how I see yours. That <laughs> see yours <laughs> reads too. <laughs> so there, there's a through bike portion of the through hike, um, but just allowing yourself setting out with that goal in mind, even if that goal doesn't happen, allows you to explore these other things and and what continuing means and and finding your way within and allowing your expectations to be guided by the reality of your situation as opposed to a fundamentalist making yeah. your life conform to this yeah. this thing you've built for this idea and, and just said letting the world be itself and that was a lesson I had to learn I think that that has to do with that finding the happiness part because um, I think a lot of people there's a point in the trail where they're like I'm unhappy like this isn't doing it for me and they don't change up they don't change anything they just continue to sort of like beat themselves with the trail stick <laughs> <laughs> yeah I but, saw that a lot I did it I did a fair amount of beating myself with the trail stick unhappy beat and, and that's like that's where I learned like oh you could take take an extra day mm -hmm. go or you could go somewhere like you could leave the trail you could go to San Francisco for the weekend and you could come back. I mean, you could do that. I didn't do that. But, like, that's allowed. You know, in quotes. <laughs> There's no rules. There's no <laughs> rules. And, like, um, but it was when, you know, all of Northern California was in flames and we decided to get these bikes. And that decision, just giving myself permission to say, like, oh, it, this is my thing. Like, I'm going to do it my way. Like, what way is that? I don't know. Let's figure it out. Let's do some different thing. Like that put me sort of like back in control of my own, um, I, I don't know. Put, control of your own happiness. Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't just because somebody says like a through hike needs to be done X way. And yes. I, and I totally, I mean, I rode, I don't know how many miles that was. I only rode the, the like from... You rode a couple hundred almost, didn't you? I think it was like 300 and something miles um, around the fire. Um, and I think of, I mean, I still think I did a through hike, even though yes. I got on a bike. So. I it was, I, for me, it was only once I let go of what my expectations of what the through hike had to be that I got all of the good things out of the through yeah. hike. Well, and then the funny thing about so having gotten on the bike, I then, my schedule was different. So I arrived in Ashland like much earlier than I would have. And that's when I met all these people who ended up becoming like big, important people in my through hike. I mean, that yes. was like, that was where I found everybody. So, you know, I, I feel like that had to happen. Yeah. Every through hike gets to be its own story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, that said, it's time to wrap up this episode. You can visit our website at www.soundsofthetrail.com for links to the websites of The Real Hiking Viking and 3D. You can also find links to Kim Chi's blog and Sina's blog on the sidebar if you're looking for that. And finally, if you haven't ever through hiked, but you're thinking about it, you should definitely do it. 
If you have thru-hiked, but it has permanently ruined your ability to work an office job, well, I hear ya. Till next time, this is Sounds of the Trail. Change your socks and little streams of alcohol come a trickling through the rocks. All the railroad bowls at the tip of their hats and the railroad bowls are all blind. There's a little lake of stew and a whiskey too. You can paddle all around it in your big canoe on the big rock candy mountain.